Don't just long that God take away the circumstance. Long that through the circumstance, your worship ignites. That's hope as he does something amazing and healing in your life. Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you. And, and we're in a series called Hope That Heals. Hope That Heals. We've been walking through it for a long time. In fact, I've been really fired up about getting to these last three weeks. And we've been talking about what heaven looks like. We started last week and we're going to be going through it today and next week as well. And so this series is actually now going to close out with Revelation 21 and 22, right? So we're looking at the details of what God has to say about it. And I'm just telling you, as we go after this, we use a word each week for maybe the downside, the struggle of what we're going after, and then the hope that we have in our God uh, that he's giving as an alternative answer for us. The word for today is dissatisfied, dissatisfied. You know how when maybe you're living in a, uh, an apartment you rent or a house you rent, maybe you actually own a house, and that moment where you're working with the house and it's not going the way you wanted, the things are seemingly a little bit more broken, maybe the rain that was supposed to stay outside is somehow getting inside, right? Or, or maybe you've watered your lawn repeatedly and somehow your lawn stays more brown than the neighbors next to you, and you're like, what gives, man? And, and the, just dissatisfactions. Maybe those are the small, easy ones that come up, but there could be huge ones too, deeply dissatisfied in this life. And here's the hope that we have, the hope that God gives us. He's got a hope for us to give to us that heaven will blow us away, that heaven is going to be absolutely stunning, that whatever we know of in this broken world, and please hear me, this world is broken, but heaven is going to blow us away. And all of God's people said, huge man. So as we dive in today, turn with me, if you will, to Revelation 21, starting in verse 9. Revelation 21, starting in verse 9. And, uh, the first point, when we're going after, what does it mean to have this glorious heaven? See the glory and radiance of our future home. See the glory and radiance of our future home. That's the first point. So as we dive in here, starting in verse 9, it says, Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven plagues. Like, so this is an angel with a lot of authority, and this angel comes, and it says, He spoke to me, saying, This angel is one of those angels that was working with the stuff that's going on in Revelation. For those of you who know Revelation a little bit, right? There's the seals, then there's the trumpets, the seven trumpets, and then there's the seven uh, bowls at the end. So this is one of those angels coming in with the, one of the seven bowls. This angel has high authority. He is bringing a massive statement about God in this world. And uh, he's bringing now some words to bear as he talks with John. So you got to remember as we pick this up, John is now seen from this angel, from one of the angels there. He's seen now the, the glory of the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem. He's seen all that unfolding. Last week, we looked at that, the newness of it. Remember, new means not just that it's different in time right now, but that it's unbelievable. It is so different. Its quality is way above. It is that kind of new, new of a different kind in quality. So we're jumping in to seeing and hearing from an angel about some of the details of that. The angel says, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. 
The angel's like, dude, you got to check this out with me. You got to come see the church. When he says the bride, the wife of the lamb, he's talking about you and me who believe in Jesus Christ. He's like, come see the church. Come see them on fire. Come see what's going on in their lives. Look at how God is working in them and through them. Look at their worship. And he's like, come see the lamb. So he calls him forward to go see the church. Says, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Right? He's like, he began to show me the holy city, Jerusalem. Now, there are some who actually say, well, I think actually seeing this holy city, it's actually just a lot of symbolism for the bride of Christ, the church. And, and there, it's quite possible there's some symbolism in this. But I'll tell you, I don't think this is symbolism. I think he's actually showing us some of what New Jerusalem is going to be like. Why do I think that? Well, if you go back to last week, he said the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem. He was talking through what these things that are new, that are coming, are going to be like. And he talked about the new heaven and the new earth, and man, those are absolutely real, and they're absolutely coming. And attached to that was the new Jerusalem. Those three are very real, they're very future, and they're going to be mind-blowing. So I think he's staying with that. I think we're going to be seeing here some details of the place we're going. So you got to imagine as he says, come see the bride. He's like, I'm going to show you the place where they're at. I'm going to show you the presence of God. And I'm going to show you the people that are on fire for Jesus Christ. Come take a look. And he's starting out with the place, this very real, very um, awesome, mind-blowing place that's coming. He says he carried me away to show me in the spirit from a great high mountain. He showed me this holy city of Jerusalem coming down, this otherness, the holiness of the city, the separateness, the unlike anything else, and now new as well, mind-blowing along the way. He says, having the glory of God, its radiance, like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. He's like, just so we're clear, you're going to have the glory of God that's going to be beaming forth from the middle of the city, just beaming out all over the place. The glory of God just blasting out with clear, bright light. And he says, like jasper. And in fact, this jasper is a very clear jasper. It's a lot like a diamond. So it's very rare. It's, we really don't know much of it in this world, but you're going to see a ton of it there. And this jasper, it ends up capturing in the glory of God and blasting out like a spectrum array of color that just comes lifted off as you see it beaming through all the glories. Like, just so we're clear, you're going to see the glory of God like jasper blasting out an array of color all over the place. And you're going to see that um, in the holy city, the glory beaming out from there. He says, and it had a great high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates, 12 angels. And on the gates uh, were the names of the 12 tribes, the 12 tribes of the people of Israel. And so you're seeing 12 gates and 12 angels and 12 tribes. And so you're ending up seeing a little bit of an entry point to the city, these 12 gates and the massive detailing of it. Of you looking at these gates, you end up seeing it on each side. He said, on the east, three gates, and on the north, three gates, and on the south, three gates, and on the west, three gates. So you've got 12 gates, and it's got the names of the tribes of Israel on it. Please hear me on this. It's not that Israel is somehow forgotten as we move forward with the church, but instead that Israel is going to be a key part 
and the Jewish people being a part. It's not all Jews. It's not everybody just because of their ethnic nature. It's those who believe in Jesus as Messiah, the remnant coming through, and each of them coming from the different of the 12 tribes. And those 12 tribes will be well represented, a remnant from each of the tribes. And there's believers now in this kingdom that are massively celebrating Jewish and celebrating Jesus as Messiah and the name of the tribes up on the 12 gates around the Jewishness being celebrated. And then it says, and the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So not only do you have this 12 gates coming around the the outside, but you also have the 12 uh, foundations underneath and the names of the apostles attached to that, this massive summary that keeps using the word 12. Just so you know, the number 12 really represents authority and completeness, all right? And so you're seeing it in the leadership, the leadership that came out of Israel, the 12 tribes, and the leadership that came to start the original church, the apostles. They were the ones that planted the first churches, And as they planted the churches, these churches going on fire and people all over the place being able to hear more about Jesus Christ, this is how it all started with the 12 tribes being able to share out and that bloodline coming through to Christ. And then the truth of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross and his resurrection as the uh, apostles brought the truth with all they had. There was foundations, 12 of them to represent the apostles. And there are the gates, the 12 of them, to represent uh, the tribes of Israel. And this huge hope that we have of the nation of Israel being a part and of us being able to be a part as we move forward. It says, and the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod. Now, the problem is we start to envision heaven and as we start to read some of the description, as we start to envision it in our head, And if it fits in our head, we start making it really small, right? And all of a sudden, we start seeing like little sidewalls and little tiny gates, and we're kind of getting like this mountaintop way back view, and we see it small in nature, but that's not what he's talking about. And so as he starts out wanting us to catch the vastness, he says, and the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold. Like This is a really expensive ruler. You know what I'm saying? like a measuring rod of gold. And he's going to use this to be able to show us the size of this city, to measure the city and its gates and its walls. It says the city lies four square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod. 12,000 stadia, its length and width and height are equal. So its length, width, and height are equal. Ready, geometry majors? We call that a... Right? It's a cube, right? You got a square on the base and then it goes equally high. So you've got this cube level going on. So you've got the square on the ground. You've got the cube as it rises up. This awesome, unbelievable, absolutely complete, glory-driven place. It says actually that it's 12,000 stadia. And I'm presuming you don't know what a stadia is. And uh, I didn't, right? I had no idea what a stadia was, so I had to look it up. Uh, a stadia, they say 12,000 stadia is equal to about 1,380 miles, something like that. 
and it uh, could be a little more, it could be 14 to 1500 depending on some of the adjustments you make, but we'll call it 1380 miles, that's where most settled in. So 1380 miles long and 1380 miles wide and 1380 miles high. That's how big this is, all right? Huge, like to picture it this way, from the kind of the east edge of Colorado all the way to the east coast of the United States. That's about 1,380, 1,400 miles, okay? From Colorado all the way to the east coast, from uh, Canada all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. That's the size of the city. It's a huge, vast city, right? It, everybody say it's massive. It is, right? It's huge. To put it in perspective, old city Jerusalem that exists right now, like, we've been there, we've visited it. It's awesome to be a part of it. It's awesome to see it. But you can walk it pretty quick. They say it's about a quarter mile on each side. This is about 1,380 miles on each side. So when he says, I'm making a new Jerusalem of a whole different kind and quality, can you feel it? It is massive in size and import. A huge, huge set of details going on. And uh, I will say, there are... A number of people I talked to were like, but is that big enough? Like really, I mean, how many people are going to be saved? Is that really big enough? And so I just did a little bit of math a couple years back, and I pulled it out here for this. Um, so here we go. Ready? So 1,380 miles on each side. So on the square, just on the base, 1,380 miles by 1,380 miles. If you multiply that out, that's like 1.2 billion square acres. Okay, 1.2 billion square acres on the base, all right? That's huge, okay? But we're not done yet. And then it's 1,380 miles high. So when you start to actually multiply this up, now think of it this way, 1,380 miles up, our current atmosphere is about 100 miles up, okay? Way, way up, it's about 100 miles. This is 1,380 miles. So if you were to say, for example, go like every 10 miles, you're going to put another layer of this unbelievably gorgeous jasper and kind of like transparent gold streets and all that kind of up the next level and the glory of God beaming out and all of that comes shining out. You see the splashes of color all over and every 10 miles, you're going to put another one of those, right? And so you've got all those billions of acres times that many. You end up with about 100 billion acres available. That means literally you could say, for example, I'm just making all this part up now. Okay, we're making all this part up. He could say, everybody say he's making it up. Okay, just so we're not quoting, making this part up. But if God were to say, each get an acre, everybody gets an acre with a 5,000 square foot house on it, and there's going to be a road out in front of it, you would literally be able, if you multiplied all that out, to come up with about 100 billion homes. Everybody getting an acre. Everybody getting a 5,000 square foot home. I'm just approximating and swagging. I have no idea what God has in store. But just so you know, everybody just say, yeah, that's enough. Right? So maybe you're like, I don't know if I want to say it's enough. Like, how many people have really lived? So I actually looked up how many people have lived so far in all of humanity. You can look it up. Go Google it. Just say how many people have lived. It'll actually pop up. It said 107 billion is the estimate right now, so far, that have lived. And uh, so whatever the number is by the end of it, right now we're around 100 billion and you're going to have 100 billion plus if everybody got an acre and 5,000 square feet of home. And remember, this is for those who are trusting Christ as Savior, calling him king, worshiping him, saved, right? So there's more, everybody say there's more than enough. 
Not even close to loud enough. There's more than enough. Dude, heaven is huge. It's vast. It's awesome. It's stunning. Okay? And that's what we're walking through here. He says, the measurement, uh, well, he also measured its walls. 144 cubits by human measure. 144 cubits. Now, I'm assuming if you don't know what a stadia is, you may not know what a cubit is. I didn't either, so I went and did the math on that real quick. That's about 216 feet, okay? Now, some will say it says he measured the wall here. Some will say he's measuring the height, and others say he's measuring the width, okay? And uh, it's up to you to decide on that. If you're reading the NIV, it actually says the thickness, so they think it's the width, okay? I probably am going with the width as well. I think he's actually blowing you away with how wide this is. But if it is the height, 216 feet high, that is five times bigger than the lowest, shortest points of the Great Wall of China, five times taller than that, 10 times taller than other portions of it. They're even smaller yet. So it's five to 10 times bigger than the Great Wall of China in height, if it's the height he's talking about. If he's talking about the width, just picture it this way. The front door, when you walk in, the glass doors, all the way to the glass wall at the back, that's 200 feet. So the wall, if this is the thickness, is about as thick or as wide as this church building. 1,380 miles long by 1,380 miles by 1,380 miles by 1,380 miles this wide. Massive, okay? May we grasp some of the massiveness of the new Jerusalem being made. He says, well, they measured the wall was 144 cubits, I love this part, by human measurement, which is also angel's measurement. John's just giving you a little insight. He's like, hey, check it out. You're measuring the same way I would measure. Just a little trivia question. So if anybody ever asks you angel measurements, you're like, well, I know their cubits are the same as ours. You can stay with that, right? <laughs> Bottom line, human measure and angel measure come out about the same. The 144 cubits, it says, the wall was built of jasper while the city was pure gold like clear glass. This jasper again, here we go, it is clear and as the glory of God hits it, you've got the color just splashing out all over the place. That's the wall, all of it, 1,380 miles long, the 200 feet either high or wide, this massive wall of jasper just splashing the glory of God out all over the universe huge, huge light beam. And then the city also of pure gold. This kind of gold that doesn't have the yellow to it, it's actually clear. Super precious kind of gold. In fact, we were just talking between services and uh, one of the guys was telling me here, yeah, they just actually found some pure gold that you can actually see like a crystal through it. And it's absolutely priceless and uh, massive in how it splashes the color through. That's the beginnings of the building. The wall and the clear glass of the city, which is all actually pure gold. It says, the foundations of the wall of the city, well, they were adorned with every kind of jewel. Now think of it this way. Uh, there were 12 gates and 12 angels, right? And there's 12 foundations. And uh, so how many jewels do you think they might put on the foundations? Go ahead and say the number. Say it out loud. Twelve, right? Twelve. And again, he's back to this is a sign of authority and a sign of completeness. And he's like, yeah, there's 12 jewels on it. So here we go. He said, the first was jasper. The second, sapphire. 
the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth uh, carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the uh, eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophrase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. And uh, just so you know, that, that doesn't mean much to me. And so I looked a couple of details up on that too. And this was the statement I found. Some rock doctors, they would say this, you'll never get a more brilliant collage of color than from this collection of stones. You will never get a more brilliant collection of colors splashing out. Picture the rainbow and then every little facet of color in between. This massive color collage splash on the foundations as the 12 foundational jewels in these massive pictures, by the way, the foundation holding up 1,380 miles on a side, right? These are huge foundations and God's glory beaming down through the transparent gold down into that color and splashing it out like crazy. Man, there is a massive beauty and a huge, huge rarity to this home that is future to be ours. And uh, it says, and the 12 gates were 12 pearls. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each of the gates made of a single pearl. Uh, dude, that's a huge pearl, right? That's probably a huge clam too, right? And a uh, huge, this huge pearl. And it says, each of the gates made of a single pearl and the street of the city was a pure gold, like a transparent glass. Man, there is a massive beauty and a stunning glory. As God is in the middle, his light beaming out, it's hitting all of this transparent jasper and transparent gold. It's hitting down into these 12 jewels, and the color is just splashing everywhere as it declares, this is our God. He's in charge. This is our home. Man, what a privilege we have to be able to call that home. John chapter 14 says, I am going to prepare a place for you. And he's actually giving you a little bit of an inkling here as to just a pinch of what it's going to be like. Home. So, uh, I don't know if you've ever watched HGTV. In fact, we don't really have TV anymore. Now we're just kind of doing the streaming thing only, and so we're not uh, doing the live thing. But, but HGTV, we used to watch uh, a show called Extreme Home Makeover. Have you ever seen that? Not even close to an answer. Extreme Home Makeover. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, all right. So me too. And uh, so part of the thing there was there's people that are hurting. They've got some needs going on, and based on their needs, they're coming alongside, and they're going to build a home for them. And they're going to make it awesome for them. It's built just for them and their family and exactly what's taking place. So they end up designing it out. Ty Pennington gets out there with them and makes sense out of all this stuff. And they kind of build the home up around the needs of the family. And then at the very end of it, when they kind of are ready, they've got the city kind of included into it, being a part of it with them, right? And then they pull this big giant bus in front of it, right? And then as they're getting ready to reveal it, they get the family out there all blindfolded and then they take the blindfold off so all they can see is the bus and then they get ready to scream out and they scream out, bus driver, move that bus, right? 
this huge moment, and as the bus begins to pull away, the people are sitting there, and they look, and their tears just start running down their eyes. They start hugging each other. They're high-fiving. They're laughing. Everybody behind is brought to tears, as this is such a perfect match for their needs, right? There is this moment of, bus driver, move that bus. That's exactly what John experienced here. As he gets brought up to these high, high moments, and all of a sudden it's like bus driver, like some angel almost declared out, bus driver, move that bus, as it moves away, and he gets to see all of this as he's brought to joy and tears. I'm telling you this, we're going to be able to be entered into this moment, this new Jerusalem someday, if you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, we're going to be calling that home. And there's going to be a point where we're standing back and as it's coming down being presented, almost as if you're going to hear an angel say, bus driver, move that bus. And as it pulls away, the glory of God beaming and the colors splashing all over and the massiveness of the walls and the transparency of the gold and the, all of it just stunning you as you start celebrating that's my God. This is unbelievable. Look at what he's made. There's going to be a massive high-fiving going on. And all of God's people said, dude, don't miss it. Amen, man. We are headed for a heaven that is going to blow us away. What a privilege we have. Simple question. Man, are you ready to be blown away with eternity? And are you ready to be blown away with new Jerusalem? with heaven and all of its colors and all of its splash? Are you ready to be able to worship your God unhooked, going after it with all you've got? Man, this world can so easily distract and take away our attention. Don't miss it. We have eternity to celebrate with our king in a place that is going to jaw drop us every time we turn around. And all of God's people said, huge deal. All right. Second, see the glory of our God as absolutely stunning and fulfilling. See the glory of our God as absolutely stunning and fulfilling. He says, and I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. Yeah, I didn't see a church. I didn't see a building we go to to try to worship God because God himself is right there with. He's with us. We're with him. We are right in the midst of his presence. And as, as glory is pumping out all over the place, we are worshiping and celebrating him. Every moment, every place, everywhere you turn is a worship moment. Man, there's not some building you go to to try to catch up on worship for the week. There's not some worship you have in the moment and then you go away and you forget about it for a while. This is massive presence of God with you and you worshiping him forever. No, no, no stopping to your worship. And, and please hear me. Worship not just meaning like just some song or just some preacher. It's every facet of your life worship celebrating him with all you've got. No, there's no temple, there's no building, there's no church. Why? Well, because God himself is the temple. It says, and the city has no need of sun or moon or stars to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the lamb. 
There's no need for the sun or moon to shine on it. There's no need for any light of any kind. Why? Because the glory of God himself is beaming out and lighting the place up. God the Father and God the Son will be lighting the place on fire. Man, it is going to be a massive, brilliant light coming from them as we're able to recognize not just spiritual light with them, but a physical light coming off of them from Jesus Christ and God the Father. It says, and by its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. He's like, let's just make this clear that there are nations represented. In fact, that word could also mean Gentiles there. It can go either direction. Here's what he's saying. He's like, I'm just telling you, the new Jerusalem is not just for people who are Jewish. The new Jerusalem, yes, it's for those who believe in Jesus as Messiah and Savior, the Jews who believe that. And yes, it's for all of those from all of the nations who trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. Please hear me. Every tribe, every tongue, and every nation will have representatives coming out from those nations that say, I believe in Jesus Christ. My mouth is worshiping him. I am falling to my knees and I'm celebrating him with all I've got. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And he's like, just so you know, even the kings from those nations will be walking in and they will simply be saying this, this is my God. This is his glory. This is his place. I worship him. Man, I'm telling you as they step in, they're not walking in to talk to him about themselves. You wouldn't believe how awesome I am. That's not the story. This is who my God is. This is what he's done. This is what he's about. Look at who he is. The glory of God is constantly being celebrated, even from those who are coming in from the highest of the highs in our human world. Yes, they're walking in celebrating in that moment with their God. Huge deal. They're coming in with their glory being brought into it. It says, and its gates, I love this part, its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night. Their gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night. So how long are the gates open for? Forever, right? The gates are open by day and there is no night. Why is there no night? Because then the light is coming off of God the Father and God the Son. Their glory is beaming through the place, filling it up. And there is no night. It's all day and the gates are wide open. By the way, what does it mean when gates are open? It means it's safe. It means it's a place we can trust. It means we're not at risk. There is no evil walking in and out. There's no sin going on. There's no risk taking place. The gates are wide open and God's got it protected. There is absolute joy, absolute certainty. And please hear me on this. There is no, no pain. There's no heartache. There is no death. There is no evil. The gates are open and everything is safe and it's all celebration as we're lifting up God and we're going after him with all we've got. Man, the, I can't even imagine how clean and clear the skies are going to feel and how unbelievably celebratory it's all going to be. It says, and its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. Uh, they will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. Every tribe, tongue, and nation will be represented. Praise God for that. It says, but nothing unclean will ever enter into it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false. 
everybody who's trying to live life for themselves and make it about their own works and missing that it's about Christ will be missing out. And man, this place that we've just looked at with all of its grandeur, with all of its glory, with all of its color, with all of its splash, with all of its perfection, with all of its vastness. And I'm just telling you, God's got a very different place for those who won't come to Jesus Christ. And he says here at the end, but only those, those who are in it, only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Saved. What does it mean to be written in the Lamb's book of life? It means that I believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. I believe he's alive. And I confess he should be in charge of my life. You take over, God. That's saved. Like, you're in charge, God. I believe you are risen, Jesus, and I confess you're in charge. Take over. That's when your name gets written in the Lamb's book of life. Man, are you there? Have you believed that Jesus is risen from the dead? Are you in with that? And really, right where you're at, do you believe that Jesus risen from the dead? Are you willing to say, you're in charge of my life? Take over. Take over. And that's saved, right? Make sure you give your life to Christ. Those who are in heaven, those experiencing this new Jerusalem, those mind-blown daily as your jaw is dropped regularly will be the ones who have trusted Christ as Savior. Make sure your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Ready? And all of God's people said, and that's a huge deal. I'm just telling you, as we enter into this kingdom of heaven, we're going to be worshiping our God with all we've got. There's going to be times where we're doing things where we're serving. There's going to be times where we're doing things where we're celebrating. But I'm telling you, we have the privilege all together of rallying together and declaring out, you are holy. You are awesome. And as the light just splashes in and blows you away, as the color just stuns you, as the presence of God right there with you, making you so joyful, so fulfilled, as all of that comes together, know this man, you will be crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Why do they repeat it three times? Because when you repeat it three times in the Hebrew, it means, I'm not kidding around. That's what it means. It means this is for real men. Holy, holy, holy. Like God is holy. Everybody just say the word holy. Loud, say it big. Holy, louder and bigger. Holy, louder and bigger. Man, if you're at home with us, say it out loud right where you're at. Let's say it all together. Holy, say it three times over. Holy, holy, holy. Get ready to have your mind blown by the greatness of God, by the glory of God, by the mercy of God, by the colors he's invented, by the splash that takes place all over. And as we continue to experience not just that little place called the New Jerusalem, but all that is beyond it, the New Earth, he says he went up onto a mountain to be able to look out. Dude, there are mountains on the New Earth. We have no idea what it's gonna look like. Mind-blowing, stunning looks everywhere God blowing us away for an eternity that's where we're headed and all of God's people said amen man let's pray 